Hello and welcome to Talking Tudors, a fortnightly podcast about the ever-fascinating Tudor dynasty. My name is Natalie Gruniger and I'll be your host and guide on this journey through 16th century England. Are you ready to step through the veil of time into the dazzling and dangerous world of the Tudor court? Without further ado, it's time to talk Tudors. Talking Tudors episode 115. I'm your host, Natalie Gruninger, and I'm so glad that you could join me. As always, I'd like to begin by acknowledging and thanking the wonderful listeners who continue to support this podcast via Podbean Patron, and extend a heartfelt thank you to everyone who's taken the time to rate and review the show. This really does make a difference. If you love the podcast and never miss an episode, perhaps you'd consider becoming a Talking Tudors patron. Just click on the Be My Patron on Podbean badge on the homepage of my website, www.onthetudortrail.com, or click on the Be a Patron button on the Podbean app. Join the Talking Tudors patron family, and in addition to receiving lots of Tudor-themed goodies, you'll be automatically entered into our patron-only monthly giveaways. June's prize is a copy of Peter Aykroyd's Tudors, sponsored by the FreelanceHistoryWriter.com. Now, on to today's episode. I'm thrilled that joining me on the show to talk about historical costuming is Angela Mumbers. Angela lives with her husband Jasper in a very small village in a 17th century farmhouse in the Netherlands. Her biggest passion is recreating historical costumes, with a special interest in the period 1550 to 1650. She's been making costumes for about 11 years and runs the very popular Walking Through History Instagram and Facebook accounts. Besides this, she and Jasper also perform as reenactors at historical events and festivals, and they also organise medieval-style dinner parties for small groups. Angela hopes that her social media posts will help inspire other people to give historical costuming a go. Our conversation's coming up straight after this short musical break, courtesy of guitarist John Sales. Thank you. 
Welcome to Talking Tutors, Angela. How are you? Hi, thank you very much. Yes, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? Fantastic. I'm well, thank you. Very well. So I suppose a good place to start is you just introducing yourself to our listeners and just telling us a little bit about your background. Yes, sure. Okay, so my name is Angela. I'm from the Netherlands and I'm 47 years old. And well, I make historical costumes. And um, yeah, most people will know me from Instagram or Facebook, um, Walking Through History. So that's our account name. And yeah, I make costumes now since I think 2010, 2011, something. So like more or less 10 years. And yeah, it started off as a like a thing on the side. And now it's actually taken uh, over a large part of my time. <laughs> yes. And I'm busy with it every day, basically. They're amazing costumes, and we're going to talk about them a little bit more later. But before we get into that, so when did you first actually become interested in fashion history and historical costuming? Yeah, well, my background is actually, uh, I have a fashion degree. So um, I've studied fashion, but actually more on the technical side, like a fashion engineer, that's official background. And uh, so, I, so I already got some uh, classes yeah, through various schools in history, fashion, and also making garments, making patterns and all that stuff. But yeah, I would have to say that it started actually when I was watching the Tudors, the television series from the BBC, <laughs> a long time ago. And, um, and I just really loved it. I loved it so much and all the costumes. And um, then actually I decided to, um, to start to try and make one myself. And it was horrible. It looked horrible, but I loved it. <laughs> and actually, the show is also not that good after all with the costumes. But back then, I really loved it. Yeah, so that's actually how it started. And um, yeah, trying to recreate a costume from a television program. And yeah, based on that, I started to take more lessons in pattern making. And I got an extra pattern making degree in Belgium, actually, in uh, a special school for that. Then later after, I decided to take, again, some more classes on costume history. And I got a degree in that as well in 2015. It's been a long travel, uh, I guess. (laughs) You have been very busy, haven't you? As you mentioned, you run the very popular and lovely Walking Through History accounts on Instagram Mm -hmm. and on Facebook. So what year did you start these? And just in case people haven't seen these, what sort of content do you share with your your followers there? I think I started those, I think maybe like five or six years ago. I'm not totally sure. (laughs) I would have to scroll down on my account to see it. But yeah, quite some years ago. And yeah, what I really like to share with other people is how they can also do it themselves. So I am quite open with all my information, like which patterns I use, uh, where I buy my fabrics, uh, what my inspiration is. So all these kind of uh, attributes that you need to do it yourself because I always like it very much if I can stimulate other people to also try it themselves because like before 10 years ago I I also never made a historical costume before and I mean it's just a matter of starting with it just doing it and you look at my first costumes the quality was not so good but you have to start somewhere and while you go with it you learn and you read and you look and you ask other people how they do it and things like that and you just read a lot about it and yeah through the years you can kind of improve your your way of working and that's actually what I yeah I try to achieve also with other people that they are getting motivated to try it themselves <laughs> yeah fantastic and can you tell us a little bit about the actual process that you you're following when you're making one of these costumes so okay first it starts with 
a beautiful painting because I really need to get inspired by something I see. And yeah, so in the past, it could have been something I saw on television, but nowadays it would rather be more like an actual thing that existed, a painting from a museum or a painting that I found find online in Google or in books or whatever. And yeah, there has to be something special about that painting that attracts me. And that's also challenging me to make it. It has to be a little bit difficult <laughs> and it has to require some uh, investigation from my side. Like, how did they do it? And how did they make it? And what is it really? And can I also do it? Can I, can I recreate what I see? And that is for me actually the most fun part to really challenge myself in making it. And that's also why I never make the same thing twice because I always want to try something new. And then, yeah, after that, you start looking for materials, which is, uh, which can take years because <laughs> right. it, yeah, it's really difficult to find uh, good material. And I usually end up making a lot of stuff myself because I can't find exactly what I need. So dyeing fabrics in the right color or just adding your own embroidery on it or combining all kinds of ingredients to create something new. So yeah, that would be like the next uh, step. And then it's all about uh, making a pattern for it. And for that, I try to use as much as possible authentic patterns from books like, yeah, like Janet Arnold or from, yeah, uh, Nora Wong or, yeah, a lot of museums also have books with patterns. So I enlarge them. I make a mock-up, uh, which I also adjust a little bit to my own size without losing uh, the, the authentic uh, shape of it. Yeah, then I stitch it up and I try to uh, put it on and make some adjustments to the pattern. And uh, yeah, and then I start cutting in the real fabric. <laughs> and um, yeah, then it's all just sewing. And then after that, decorating. And that's actually how the process works. And sometimes it takes altogether three months and sometimes it takes altogether a year. It really just depends on how much information I can find, which materials I can find, and also the purpose of making and wearing it because we go to a lot of uh, events. So it also, of course, needs to, yeah fits with the events that we're going to and yeah usually I work towards a deadline of an event <laughs> yes yeah to keep you on track <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah wow what I was going to ask you how long it took so I'm glad you addressed that because I look at some of the ones you've made and I think oh my goodness this must have taken years <laughs> to make they're yeah. so intricate and so so very beautiful so you've recreated a number of 16th century costumes which I yes. absolutely loved so can you tell mm -hmm. us about some of those projects that you've done yes so my favorite period would be I think the second half of the 16th century so more like 1550 1600 and I'm usually drawn very much towards the English fashion because of the colors because if you look for example at Dutch costume in that period it's rather plain there are a lot of black and brown and there's just not so much decoration going on and I really like the English fashion because it has a lot of red in it and a lot of color but not in a soft way but more in a sturdy way as to say it like the French fashion would be maybe a little bit more soft and sweet. <laughs> yeah. And I really like very much the, the, the British style, which, which is quite uh, sturdy and proud. And um, yeah, that's something that really attracts me in the, in the British uh, clothes. So yeah, I've made a couple of reproductions from paintings, which uh, Helena Snakenborg, for example, is a very uh, famous one. She was not 
British, but I believe she lives in Britain, right? She did, yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> so I would consider her to be uh, a little bit in the British fashion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, Queen Elizabeth, of course, she's uh, yeah, a big inspiration. She has, uh, yeah, she has some wonderful portraits and also still a couple very much on my wish list to make. Fantastic. And I have to admit, I love looking at 16th century portraits as well like you they're just so amazing but I always think that the the sitters in the portraits although they're you know um, ensembles are so beautiful I always think they look a little bit uncomfortable so do you think the clothing was actually more comfortable than it looks in the paintings having obviously worn recreations of it what do you think about that well I do think that what we see on the painting is very often what they want us to see on the painting so very stiff sturdy, rigid, no wrinkles, super tiny waist. For some paintings, I've tried to kind of measure it, like the, like the length and the width balance. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see that some things are actually not how real life right. is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it would be more of an ideal uh, what they want to show in the paintings. But I do have to say that, of course, I try to make it look exactly like the painting. So I also use a lot of like interlinings and things in the in the garments to also make it look very rigid and stiff so i use like the coutil is it also called coutil in english the... Ooh, i'm not sure sorry it could be it yeah could yeah be. i'm sure people understand yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like very stiff interlining like two okay. layers that you put inside the garments and then with boning in between so i use a lot of uh, cane boning and also sometimes metal so yeah it is true in the end if you put it on it is maybe not something you would wear if you you know work in the house or in your yes. garden <laughs> it's most comfortable sitting <laughs> or walking is also fine but I do think we have to kind of keep in mind that they show us what they want us to show to see and that it's more of an ideal image but yeah at the same time I also try to recreate that look also it's a little bit in between, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, and I, I suppose they were also quite accustomed, if they're especially if they're nobility and, and aristocratic families would have been used to dressing like that from very young. So if we were to wear it, we might be a bit uncomfortable. They're probably more accustomed, I suppose. Um, yeah, and I don't think they would wear it the whole day, maybe no. just for a dinner or maybe just for the portrait even, uh, yeah. parties. Uh, and yeah, they would, of course, change clothes several times a day. You've made lots of costumes in, in all your time doing this work. Do you have a favorite or a couple of favorites? I very much like my uh, Elizabeth of Austria costume. She was actually the Queen of uh, France, also in the second half of the 16th century, uh, because I think it's so typical for that period. It has like, um, like a partlet, which is embroidered all over with pearls. It has like this diamond shape embroidery of pearls on the partlet with the very low shoulders and the big rolls on the on the sleeves and also the sleeves are like flashed with all these puffs coming out and those kind of details I love very much so um, yeah I could make a dozen more costumes in that fashion that's uh, I think that's maybe my most favorite uh, costume or creation and then of course yeah the Helena Snakenborg I just very proud of it because it took me so long yes <laughs> to that's make an it. amazing one yeah, because I, uh, I, I, yeah, copied the embroidery from the from the painting, and it took me eight months to make it. And nice thing is, if you make it all yourself, you can really like if you look closely at the images, you will see that the design is mirrored. So the left on the left side, the roses go in one direction, and on the right side, they go in another direction. And that's something that, of course, 
could never be done if it was a prefab uh, yeah. embroidery. So you can really notice on those kind of things that it's really made for this uh, uh, garment. Yeah, those kind of things, I really love that very much. So that's also one of my favorites. I also love men's fashion in 16th century because I think they're just as beautiful as the ladies with so many details. And you, it makes you wonder where it went wrong in fashion history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why do men look so plain now? No, <laughs> no, that's a joke. But um, I mean, in the 16th century, I think the men were equally beautifully dressed as the ladies and maybe even more. I mean, they're so proud with their proud chests and their colors and the hats and the feathers on the head and something that I really love. So I made this recreation of a Robert Dudley costume oh, yes. for Jasper. It's actually one of my first costumes. I made it a long time ago, but he still wears it and I'm still very proud of it. What I also like very much is that it has like separate sleeves so I just make a new set of sleeves and attach it to the doublet and then it's like a whole new fashion again and you can just play around with it so easily and that's also something that I really like very much with those fashions. Yeah that's yeah. a good point and that's exactly what they did didn't they they just they had different parts that they could swap over and make it you know bring it up to date with the fashion so it's a really yeah. really cool feature I think definitely. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. all those costumes that you've mentioned are amazing. I love all of them. Do you also <laughs> do, because I think I noticed you also do uh, accessories at times, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. Actually, I make all components myself. Also the undergarments and like a fartingale. And um, well, um, I usually make a handbag for myself, which is not totally accurate because the ladies didn't really have a handbag. But the hats, the colors, the cuffs, all the jewelry. Yeah, I really love jewelry making because I was making already like earrings and necklaces since I was maybe four or something. Right. Since I could hold a bead in my hands, I would make jewelry. That's something I've been doing all my life. I think that's maybe also why I like this fashion so much, because there are a lot of beads usually involved. And like small things and items. And um, yeah, I just really love working uh, with all those things. And uh, yeah, it's a great way to accessorize a, a, a garment, but also indeed all these different necklaces and diadems. They're, they're really fun to make because it don't take... That it doesn't take that much time to make them. And it's really like a great extra on the costume. Uh, so you obviously you spend a lot of time doing this work. Do you get to wear mm -hmm. them much? I know you do some events. Do you get to wear the costumes often? Yeah, um, actually, well, due to Corona, of course, uh, of course, we didn't have, yeah, we didn't have any events for a long time. It kind of started again last week because now in the Netherlands, most things have come back to normal. So the museum are open again and events can take place again if you have like your vaccination and all. All that so um yeah it started for us last week and we already had two events in one uh, in one weekend so that oh, was okay. uh, quite, uh, quite, <laughs> quite a lot but i would say before corona it usually happens in the summer of course i would say it starts in april and it lasts until september i mean you can you can wear it every week if you want there are events every week but it just depends on yeah if you want to go or not i would say we would wear them like maybe twice a month and then it depends really on the event what we're wearing we have around in our own closet we have around 50 costumes 40 or 50 i'm, I'm not entirely wow, sure amazing <laughs> yeah yeah so we have quite something to choose from and they're not all 16th century but i would say the majority is but we have clothes from 15th till 20th century. Um, so it actually just depends on the on the event. And most people know us because 16th and 17th century 
close. So like 1550 to 1650, that's our biggest period. So we're often asked to wear clothes in that period. If like, for example, a museum asks us to be there as a historical character, it would usually be within that time frame. Yeah. And um, I think most costumes I have worn, yeah, quite a few times already, maybe like 10 times or something. Yeah. Other costumes where there's not a big demand of, I have worn maybe only once. Yeah. It just really depends. Yeah. And also if I like it, um, if it's comfortable. To exactly. wear it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It does sound like a lot of fun, I have to say. I know it's a lot of hard work, but it, it sounds like a lot of fun too. Yeah, and do you have do you have an event coming up? Yes, we. so actually we had an event last weekend uh, that was in a museum. And that museum wanted to depict fashion through the whole history of fashion. And we were there for the 17th century. There were people also from the Iron Age, Roman Age. So it was really like very diverse. And the next one coming up, it's starting really slow now because for a lot of companies, it's too late to organize still something this summer. So the next one would be beginning of August. And that's going to be quite a low key uh, event because it's really more about music. It's really a festival, um, but everybody gets dressed up for it. And we're going to go a little bit easy this time uh, in the costume. Oh, actually, there's another one coming in between. Yeah, I just heard about it yesterday. It's in July and it's about historical food. So we're going to be dressed in 16th century, more like middle class costume. And we're going to uh, set up a whole table with food. And we're going to get some help from somebody who knows about historical food. <laughs> Luckily, we're going to show the, the visitors like what, were, what people were eating in the 16th century and also tell them what they were not eating in the 16th century. So like tomatoes, potatoes, stuff like that they don't have. And we're going to show them what people actually had available on the table. Um, yeah, so that's going to be the first one, actually. It's already in three weeks, I, yes, I think. Yeah. yeah, coming up. I know, this year's <laughs> yeah. flying by. I know, it's, it's yeah. incredible. Oh, well, that sounds yeah. like a lot of fun as well. Now, I... I imagine, Angela, that some people listening are probably thinking they'd like to try this and give it a go, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. What websites, what are some of your websites or your favorite books? You've mentioned a couple of, of authors already that you recommend people, you know, check out if they're interested in historical costuming or fashion history. Do you have any kind of favorite go-tos? Yeah, like I said already before, I think Janet Arnold is yeah. very interesting. Also, like on the first few pages, she explains a lot about uh, history and also her images are quite special. They're not the most, well, let's say beautiful images, but they're very interesting in the terms of the information you can get from it. So especially if you're reconstructing clothes and you're trying to find answers on how was it done? How did they do this? Then I think though the, that her books are really very, very important to read and very interesting. Uh, let me think. Oh yeah, the Tudor Taylor. You yes, uh, yeah, yeah, probably all your listeners will probably uh, know about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're great. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I also use those books really very much because I think their patterns are very good. They're I think maybe a little bit more suitable for our bodies nowadays than if you compare it with Janet Arnold because those are more like the old patterns right yeah um and the patterns are also really easy to adjust i would say to like your own body size and i believe they also sell patterns that you can just print out right and yes i think so yeah. yeah yeah so they also have very good information on fabrics like which fabrics were used and which colors were used i think that their books are also very good to have and they also have books on children's wear for example and i also very much like their books on the i believe it's called the 
queen servant and a king servant. Yes. Because yes. they have more like a lower class fashion. And um, actually, I use those patterns also if I do more noble yeah, fashion. Because I think their, their cut is really good. Like the, the cut of the, the patterns. Yeah. And um, I've even used them for 17th century clothings and then I kind of adjust them a little bit to the style but they're a really good base pattern to have for the rest I go a lot to museum so I think if you look at the painting for real you can see so much more than when you look at it on the internet or from a book though I have to say a lot of museum now have really large size paintings uh, how do you say that online you can really zoom yes, in detail yeah 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 but um yeah, I think that's also a very good source of information is really just, yeah, looking at the real stuff. I also just had a new book. I was going to save it actually for the last question. Oh, okay. Was, uh, yeah, you can do it yeah. now. We, we, we'll bring that question forward. <laughs> yeah, the Tudor takeaway. <laughs> yeah. It's, not strictly, it's not strictly Tudor because it's actually German. Okay. But yes. um, this, was, this is my most recent book and it's called... Oh, the first book of fashion. I don't know if you see it. No, I haven't seen that. Actually, the book, this one just is just released a couple of weeks ago by Bloomsbury. And um, it's a very interesting book. The Hardback, how do you call it? Hardback, yes, Hardback, uh, yeah. Yes, that one was already released in uh, 2015. But this one is uh, the, the soft uh, uh, back. Yes, the back. Only a yeah. couple of weeks ago. Excellent. Yeah, and it's, um, it's a very interesting book because it's about a man who lived in the 16th century and he had himself painted every day. Like, oh. um, yeah, it's, it's really quite exceptional. There are like images of him every day, what he was wearing, because he was, he was like a fashion freak. <laughs> yes, extraordinary. Yeah. yeah, it's really extraordinary. And I learned about this book in my school because my teacher had it. And that was the hard copy one. So that was like in 2015 or something. Yeah. And this one was just released a couple of weeks ago. I will also post it on my uh, Instagram because I didn't do that yet. Yeah. So yeah, you see also some really German. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Wow. And um, he was. It's, it's really interesting because he was actually not even a noble guy. He was. Um, yeah. He was an accountant. So he's oh. actually. Yeah. He was working for a very rich family in Germany. It was the Fugger family. And they are like bankers and merchants. So they were very wealthy and he was working for them, but he was just very interested in fashion. It shows around, I think, 65 years of fashion. That's yeah. incredible. And yeah. So he had himself depicted and then later on his son took over. So I think he was an old man by then. So he maybe didn't want to be on the yes. painting anymore. <laughs> I'm not really sure, but the later images are his son because he actually kind of continued the tradition his right. father Started. yeah and they all found the, they found these the watercolor drawings they're all in color and they yeah it's now published in a book so um yeah it's uh it's a very interesting uh, book called the first book of fashion <laughs> first book no, of yeah. fashion i love it i feel another book purchase coming on <laughs> yeah yeah it's really it's very interesting also because it's all yeah drawn to life and all lovely uh, color illustrations that looks incredible yeah. and all colored up yeah and the, the authors they also did some extra information with it fantastic that is a fantastic takeaway thank you and we're going to do yeah. we're, we're, we're going a little bit back to front with our order but that's absolutely fine so at the end of our episodes of talking tutors what i like to do is called play a game of 10 to go so just 10 questions just to get to know you a little bit better 
All right. <laughs> <laughs> so first one, and you've already answered it because I was going to ask you what's the last book that you <laughs> purchased. So there you go. Excellent. Yeah. So I'll move to the next one. What was your favorite subject at school? It's something completely different. Actually, okay, that was maybe when I was more little, but I loved maths. I'm very good at math. <laughs> oh, fantastic. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and that's also maybe a little bit in the way I also, when I make a costume, I'm also very mathematical. <laughs> yes, you'd be good at all the measurements. I don't know if I'd be very good at that, but that's yeah. great. But maybe that's also why I love pattern making. Yes, is uh, exactly. Yeah, but of course, later when I was studying fashion, then sewing was my favorite class. All right. And yeah. what's, what's a movie that you've gone back to and watched more than once? Goodness. And that, of course, should be then a fashion movie. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have to be? <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're uh, really a lot into a uh, television series at the moment. Yeah. I would say that Game of Thrones is my oh, favorite. <laughs> yeah. I was a big fan as well. I know. Yeah. I think I've watched uh, like all seasons um, four times already. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I know good. a lot about <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> It's of course more uh, more fantasy, but yes. um, yeah, I, I also liked like to you know recognize the bits and pieces of fashion history that they used throughout of it, and uh, I think that's always kind of interesting in those uh, fantasy series. Like, okay, you can see really what uh, yes. what what they use for inspiration. Yeah, I don't know if people know Elizabeth R. It's a really yes. old uh, movie that's from the 1970s. Yeah. yeah, so if you haven't seen it yet, it's really, really worth watching because I really mm. love the fact that they recreated like the famous portraits from uh, Elizabeth and you can actually see Glenda Jackson wearing those. And yeah, I think it's just a feast for the eye, that movie. Yeah, I would uh, tell everybody go watch it if you yeah. can still find it somewhere. Absolutely. It's, really <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. And what about a, you probably have quite a lot of history where you live. Do you, do you have a favorite historic site that you like to visit? In the Netherlands, we have a museum um, and it's called Open Air Museum Netherlands. It's in Arnhem. It's really big. You need actually two days to uh, see it all. And what they've done there, they have taken apart buildings from all over the country and rebuilt them there. And like really from very old periods to more recent periods. So I would say, I don't know how old the building, oldest building is that they have there, but uh, it will probably be something like 15th century or 16th century up to like the 1980s even and um, it's also then always completely decorated in the style so you can actually go into all the buildings and it would be completely period decorated with all the right furniture all the right accessories we visit that one I think every year and then we always have to go two days because it's there's so much to see it's really really big yeah and then of course in the Netherlands we have a lot of castles well obviously in Britain as well but uh, (laughs) yeah we also have a lot of castles in the Netherlands so uh, yeah wherever we go if we take the bike or the uh, we we hike somewhere we try to visit a castle and um, yeah lots of them are open public so that's really great castle Lufestein is not so far from where I live it's from the I think 10th or 11th century it's really really old so that is a really nice one to visit in a very beautiful area with lots of rivers it's like also where we live it's like the river area you kind of answered this one a little bit as well but what's something you love about where you live in particular I live in a very special place and I feel very very fortunate to live here because we live in a house from 1640 I thought I could see the nice beams behind you I was wondering if it was yeah 
Yeah, and actually the beam that you see right here, you see the holes in the beam? Yes, I can. Um, yeah, so this house was built in 1640, but it's, uh, this was actually the stable. So we live in the stable mm -hmm. part of farmhouse, yeah. and they built the the stable with old wood. So this was already recycled in the, in mm -hmm. the 17th century. And that beam with the holes that you see right there, it was from a windmill. So those holes... Mm -hmm. That was actually the, the, the like the blades sort of thing. Yes, blades, right? yeah. exactly. And the holes, that is where the side wood parts ah, were. If you see like the, yeah. the blades of an old windmill. So they actually demolished old windmills and used wood to build this house. And uh, so this thing could maybe even be 16th century or medieval, who knows? It's uh, And that's really what I love about uh, this house. I, and that we see those kind of things everywhere in the house. So they really reused all the old wood. Yeah, this is, um, we live in the south of the country and it's like a very water uh, rich part. So we have a lot of rivers here and a lot of ditches and yeah, um, like these willows that grow along the water sides. And uh, it's very flat, of course, but yeah, most of Holland is uh, very flat. And we have a lot of meadows, like fields for the cows. So that's really typical where we live. There's not a lot of forest here. Forest is more in the north, well, center part of uh, Holland. And um, yeah, it's beautiful. And we feel very fortunate to live here and to be here and have our garden full with apple trees and oh, sounds fruits beautiful. and vegetables. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's really, it's a dream come true. We, we live here now, yeah, two years, three years. So just yeah. very recent and... Uh, this is really, we never expected to be able to have something like this. But uh, yeah, we found it one day and were able to buy it. And uh, yeah. yeah, we're very fortunate. Yeah. yeah it sounds perfect for a history lover. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it was really the next step in our lives, you yes. know, with all the history and exactly. the costumes. And oh. we just couldn't live in a modern house anymore. No, no, exactly. I know. And what about, what's a dream holiday destination for you? I know we haven't been traveling very much lately, but if you could, where would you go? We very often go to France. So we've been there, I think, already 10 times. And we're going again this year because oh, we're allowed again to travel to France because it has this um, really nice combination of good weather and history <laughs> Yes, exactly. and a lot of nature yeah so we 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 actually never really visit cities we're not that much of city people so we go into the countryside and we like to hike and bicycle and visit castles and museum and lovely old towns you know with lots of history and yeah so we've also been to the UK actually uh, a couple of years ago okay. we went um, in the southern part of the country and we started on the east side Canterbury Canterbury. Ah, yes Canterbury or Dover yes Canterbury. Yeah. yes and then we went all the way across the coastline to the west to where King Arthur was supposed oh, to live <laughs> yeah and we kind of visited all the yeah Arthurian places yeah. you know where the knights of the round table yeah. were supposed to have been where he was supposed to have been so you went to winchester yeah. then definitely yes <laughs> yeah yes definitely and you know where his grave was supposedly found and also guinevere's grave and you know i mean yeah it's just really lovely to dream about yeah, what, what would have happened there and did he really live there and what would have looked what it would have looked like and uh yeah, it was a very beautiful holiday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it sounds wonderful. And what about an ideal Sunday morning for you? What does that look like? That would be having a really nice breakfast, long breakfast with yeah. sandwiches and fruit from the garden. And then it would have been a, a sunny day. 
<laughs> and then we were able to go outside and work in the garden or maybe go do some hiking or cycling in the area and then come back home and then do a little bit of costume work you know <laughs> have all the windows open and here listening to the birds and uh, yeah yeah that would be our a perfect Sunday well, that sounds perfect yeah. absolutely I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll join you soon I'll fly over yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and lucky last question what is something that you're looking forward to this year sounds like you've got a lot happening so what's something you're looking forward to doing yeah I'm really looking forward that we can go back to the events again that um, a lot of events are uh, accessible again for for us and for the for my fellow costume makers that we can see each other again Talking to each other through social media is just not the most ideal way to see everyone again, to talk to everyone again, to see what everybody is making and busy with and to be able to visit the museum again because everything is going to be open already from now on. So actually what was normal before Corona is now yeah. really something special to look forward to. Exactly. And, uh, Isn't that interesting yeah. how we, I think we took things for granted and now we have to slow down yeah. a little bit and appreciate exactly. everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So uh, I think that yeah, that would be like my things I look forward to, like all the events that we're going to do again and, you know, being able to dress up again because, we're not really that kind of people that walk around the house in costume. No. <laughs> I know some people that actually do that because they just missed it so much. They, they will do oh. it anyway, organize their own, you know, photo oh, shoots yes. and things like that. But yeah. I mean, for me, it just takes really quite some time to put everything on and to have everything with your hair and your everything. Exactly. Complete. Yeah. So, yeah, we really do it just uh, for events and not, yeah, not just for the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Well, Angela, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and hearing about your wonderful costumes. And I do recommend everyone go and have a look at your Instagram or your Facebook to see what we've been discussing mm -hmm. because they are quite extraordinary recreations. So beautiful and detailed. So thank you so much for talking to you with us. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Talking Tudors. Thank you so much for joining us. I absolutely love to hear from listeners, so if you have any comments or suggestions or just want to say hi, please get in touch with me via my website, www.onthetudortrail.com, where you'll also find show notes for today's episode. If you've enjoyed the show, please share the podcast with friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I also invite you to join our Talking Tudors podcast group on Facebook, where you can interact with other Tudor history lovers and hear all the behind-the-scenes news. You'll also find me on Twitter. My handle is on the Tudor Trail and on Instagram as the most happy 78. It's time now for us to re-enter the modern world. As always, I look forward to talking Tudors with you again very soon.